Hello and welcome once again to Yes There Ladies. It's the Christmas edition, <laughs> Heather. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. The 2016 Christmas special. That's right. We've decided uh, for our Christmas special to do a little cocktail party, if you will. A little, a little smattering of Ors Duvers. <laughs> A cherished medley of Christmas factoids. <laughs> Absolutely. And what what I'm thinking is that, you know, this little cocktail party of ours that we're throwing right here, the two of us and Sarah on the floor there, and then, you know, in our imaginations, all of our lovely listeners, you know, this little cocktail party we're throwing will be, will be fodder for all of the holiday cocktail parties that you're going to right now where you can present all these fascinating factoids about women and Christmas. And you'll look so cool and smart when you show up at these parties and, uh, you know, wave the flag for yester ladies Mm -hmm. and impress people with your, your female related Christmas facts. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Just think. (laughs) Absolutely. Somebody pointed out recently that uh, both of us. I think both of us. Maybe just me. I know I say it a lot. But seems to be absolutely is uh, one of our favorite words to use. It's like it's our standard agreement term in the yeah. conversation. So absolutely. <laughs> Except now I'm all self conscious and I know every time I say it, I'm like, ah, oh, no, ah, did it again. A friend suggested that it could be a yes or ladies drinking game, and you take a shot yeah. every time one of us says absolutely. So you could get get very festive with this episode perhaps mm-hmm. and, uh, and try the except now i'm gonna like avoid saying right it. No. so nuts to you kathleen <laughs> <laughs> shout out shout out yay <laughs> um all right so to kind of kick things off um we've got a little uh quote that was discovered now i like what you did heather where you tried to make your mom guess what year this quote mm. was from now i think the language does kind of give it away that it's not from like five years ago mm-hmm. but it just goes to show that through history some things kind of never change mm. so this is a quote from one fanny kemble um and she said or wrote christmas is a season of such infinite labor as well as expense in the shopping and present making line that almost every woman i know is good for nothing in purse and person for a month afterwards done up physically and broken down financially (laughs) (laughs) so think to yourself listener what year you think that is from Mm -hmm. we'll give you a second to think we'll give you a second consider did you guess 1874? Because <laughs> that's when it's from. <laughs> so for, uh, you know, almost 150 years, because probably before that, I'm sure um, at least. Uh, women have been working themselves to the bone over the Christmas <laughs> season. So if you are a female listener and you have been working, working, working and bemoaning that getting ready for Christmas is so much work and it's supposed to be a season of celebration and a holiday and a break and it's not, uh, you're in good company because yeah. even in 1874, women were experiencing the same thing. I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse. I know. (laughs) It's it's rather anti-progressive to hear about that. Oh, nothing's changed. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's rather a nice segue, though, into uh, our first little factoid of the podcast. Absolutely. It has to do with women's work over the Christmas holidays. So um, I'm going to tell you about a tradition that I thought was 
awesome when I discovered it and I couldn't believe <laughs> that I didn't already know about it. Um, but it's, it takes place on January 6th, which you may know already as the feast of the epiphany or just epiphany. Um, and I knew it as that it's the end of the 12 days of Christmas. Um, so sort of the official end of the Christmas season, but I didn't know that in Ireland it has another well holiday. Before you say that yep. though, isn't it also little Christmas? Or mm-hmm. is that... That's right. Yeah. So, uh, some people know it as little Christmas and then like I have a I Ukrainian believe, friend. Right. Too. And some people exchange presents on that day, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So depending what culture you're from, you might already have a holiday existing on that day. Um, but if you're Irish, mm. uh, or if you're a fan of the Irish, and I am both, uh, <laughs> um, you will be excited to know, or you may already know, that uh, January 6th is also called Little Women's Christmas in Ireland. And uh, so it, I'm, I'm going to attempt the old Irish, but I am <laughs> sure I'm not pronouncing it right. So it's no leg. Naban. <laughs> so whoever speaks Irish can, you know, write in or <laughs> contact us and correct my pronunciation. But um, anyway, so this is a custom ce- still celebrated uh, by women in Ireland today, uh, all over the country, but especially in the West. The tradition has stayed strongest in the West because they have sort of the least um, influence or the, the lowest amount of influence um, from England. And um, uh, anyway, so women have decided, or I don't know how long this goes back, but um, it... I gathered for a while. A while, like, yeah, I would say, a while. you know, a century or two at least. Um, but it goes back to when large families were the norm. So women were caring for huge families, um, usually often uh, single-handedly, and men were not expected to help out around the house. Men usually didn't help out, but they also weren't expected to. It was just women's role and women's work. It's the way it was. It's the way it was uh, because they usually worked outside of the house. So um, women, I think this basically came out of women being burned out after the Christmas season (laughs) because uh, Christmas wasn't just one day. It was all 12 days of Christmas. So it would be, you you know, almost two weeks of nonstop feasting and hosting and work and celebrating and and all of this madness. Um, So women needed a break. So they took one day um, and the end of the 12 days of Christmas for themselves. So hence the women's little Christmas. And uh, there was a quote in the Irish times in 1998 that said, quote, even God rested by the seventh day, but Irish women didn't stop until the 12th. (laughs) So so, uh, on this day, on January 6th, men would take over the housework and watch all the kids. uh, And that left the women free to celebrate uh, with each other. So they would all, um, you know, wrap shawls around their heads and scurry out to the pubs early in the morning. And they would be all excited uh, because they get this day free. Um, And they would usually head to the pub and drink a bunch of Guinness together. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Modern Irish women celebrating this will usually like go out for a fancy lunch and like have a bunch of wine and hang out with the ladies. Um, but traditionally it was a little, uh, a little different. Although I think there are still women that will head out to the pub and have some that, together. That sounds good too. Yeah. Just either option really. The, yeah, really. Uh, yeah. You can sign me up for. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, take a shot take a shot oh, drinking <laughs> make sure it's guinness for uh, this for this portion um but it might sometimes be just as low-key as going to your friend's house to visit and you would put on a pot of tea and have some current loaf and uh, and just sit current and chat <laughs> that was one the one website we researched uh said it had to be current loaf okay um and the reason that this was so counter to regular norms 
particularly if you went to a pub, was because uh, public houses were considered men's domains. Mm. And a respectable woman would only enter a pub and maybe have a Guinness uh, during shopping hours. So okay. you're supposed to be out on the town, that sort of thing. Um, and so only just because, stopping in quickly right, for just, a little just, refreshment. Oh, I, I run all my errands mm. and I'm, uh, you know, I need to wet my whistle and I'll just stop in. And she would have to go in the ladies' entrance, probably. Correct, right? probably. Mm. And also because stout was, quote, good for iron in the blood. Uh. <laughs> so she needs a little pick-me-up after a long day of, of shopping or errands. That's a great excuse. <laughs> yes, <laughs> marketing. Yes, I thought I could, you know, I could uh, sell that to myself. <laughs> have some Guinness. Um, but on Women's Little Christmas, uh, women could take over the public houses without shame. So there was no shame in being there from early in the morning until late, late at night, just boozing Drinking. with the gals. Yeah, the whole time. Um, and most pubs report that the vast majority of their business came from women on that day. So oh, that's that, awesome. Yeah, it was kind of like a little, big econo- or a little economic boost for, uh-huh. uh, for the ladies and for the pub owners. Uh-huh. Um, so you'd meet up with your friends and female relatives in something called the Snug. So this is a room that's just off the front door. It's kind of a private little room off to the side. Um, or like I said before, maybe at someone's house if you weren't to the pub. Uh, but if you were, you'd pool your money um, and the ladies would try to save up for this day, uh, you know, at least for a little while ahead of time. And and they would buy a bunch of Guinness and corned beef sandwiches. And that was sort of the traditional fare. Um, and they would talk and gossip all day. And I guess at first they kind of get everything off their chest. Like, oh, it's here, but all the problems and all the stresses of the year. And then they would make a pact and say, okay, we're going to leave all that behind us and just enjoy the day. So oh, I thought, that's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was really great. Um, and I also liked the fact that some women would save money for this day by raising Christmas turkeys. <laughs> so, so as a as a frugal um, and business-minded Irish woman, you would raise a couple extra turkeys and sell them at Christmas, and then you would use that money. Uh, they said for, whatever, basically whatever was left over after Christmas to pay for your your uh, women's little Christmas uh, awesome. booze fest. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you met at home, a different tradition was that each woman would light a candle as they arrived, uh, but then, ooh, eerily, the first candle to go out would be the first woman who died. Oh, I was like, well, why did you have to have God, that? In? I know. <laughs> She's really morbid. Take like a lovely day of <laughs> yes. drinking with your pals and like turn it into <laughs> ooh, prognostications about death. <laughs> God. Yes. I thought that was a little ooh, spooky. Mm. Um, and there would always be singing no matter where you had your. Uh, women's little this Christmas. Gets better and better. I know they would. They were. They would. You know, just belt out all the standard tunes and like you know familiar classics and um, they'd be singing in merriment and then they would stumble home late basically and <laughs> uh, um, and then I came across an alternate tradition which I thought. You know, I wonder how these two go together because um, another tradition was that Epiphany is the day that all the Christmas decorations have to come down. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said that if um, an Irish family had decorated with holly, they would burn the holly. Oh. That was the way of disposing of it. I, I don't know why. And then I thought, hmm, okay, if dad's at home with the kids and you have to take all the Christmas decorations home, down, I can just be, see him being like, ah, get, get rid of that stuff and just throw it in the fire. Just burn it. <laughs> I don't think that's why that happens, but I just had this picture of it's the dad, thought. the woman rushing out the door being like, honey, make sure to take down all the Christmas decor too while I'm gone. And he's like grumbling and pulling it all down and just throws it in the fire to get rid of it. (laughs) So (laughs) that's my speculation. Okay. uh, You know, if we have Irish listeners, please let us know if that's that's accurate or not. (laughs) Well, I I think we, uh, I wouldn't mind implementing this tradition here. I think, uh, (laughs) I think Sarah's up for it too. Sarah just agreed. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. The second I read this, I was like, I want to do this. We need to do this. Awesome. (laughs) December, December. January. 
January 6th. January 6th. At the pub. party. <laughs> yeah. Meet us there. Yes. Have some Guinness. I like it. Raise the iron in our blood. Yes. I'll have to learn to like Guinness, I yeah. think. <laughs> you can just do like a little half pint. We'll share. There you go. Yeah. It's <laughs> probably it. all I can handle yes. anyway. <laughs> awesome. So there you go. So that's Women's Little Christmas. Now, Sarah, <laughs> I really enjoyed that one. Um, so onward in our march through yes. women and Christmas history, uh, we're going to move up a little bit to the 20th century, to the 40s. And I came across an article from the Washington Post that was put out a few years ago uh, examining a song that <laughs> we're all familiar with and I think most of us would now agree is somewhat problematic <laughs> and that we hear a lot. And yet at the same time, it really is very catchy. It's a like I'm very catchy. It's a song. very catchy song. I'm always yes. torn between my like feminist frustration <laughs> yes. about the lyrics and my like, this is a really cute song. Yes. Like it's, it's musically. Fun. I love it. Yeah. Linguistically. I it's a fun really duet. disagree with it. Yes. But then you get to yeah. a few lines and really it's problematic. So of yes. course you probably have guessed that we're talking about the, um, dubious classic, Baby It's Cold Outside. Uh, so this Washington Post article pointed out that actually, apparently the song, and it's, I mean, it's kind of obvious when you think about it, like, okay, yeah, actually I can see how maybe the roots of it are a little bit more pro-lady hmm. than it would appear at first blush, or at least to our modern hmm. sensibilities. So just as a little bit of background, um, it was written in the 40s by Frank Lozer, who was the writer of the musical Guys and Dolls, mm. which I think that's pretty interesting. Um, so now, okay, there's there's kind of evidence on either side of the debate here. <laughs> and the little bit of uh, evidence that tells you that this is still rather problematic mm. is that, I guess, in the original notes on the music, the men's part, the male part was labeled wolf oh and the female part was labeled mouse oh dear yeah so i mean okay so right from the get-go obviously there are some problematic uh i think that's going to be the word of this podcast yes. problematic <laughs> uh some problematic uh, <laughs> uh issues with yes. this with this song um but as the article points out the historical context does matter and so i think we're all fairly familiar with the lyrics but you know it's the i really can't stay but baby it's cold outside i've got to go away but baby it's cold outside and you know it goes on like that right and she's trying to get away and he's trying to keep her uh but as the article points out at the time of course an unmarried woman staying overnight at a man's house was a very scandalous thought um and so what kind of comes out in the lyrics is that the woman's aversion to staying is more out of concern for her reputation mm. than for any actual aversion to staying the night. She's so all of her lyrics tend to be like, well, you know, what will the neighbors think? Mm. And my sister will be suspicious. And my maiden aunt's mind is vicious. And then at one point she even says, I ought to say no, 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 sir. At least I'm going to say that I tried. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get the sense that she is at the very least conflicted about hmm. whether or not to spend the night. And her her primary objection to spending the night is more about 
the the rumors that might ensue and the the threat to her reputation mm. so you can argue that um the battle here is kind of more between his entreaties and her reputation and if you look at it in that light the song can be seen as advocacy for women's sexual liberation hmm. which is an interesting perspective mm-hmm. that i yes. hadn't considered before it's, true. it's funny i feel like you've got these dueling things coming mm-hmm. out in here because yes. like from her perspective you start looking at like what she's actually saying and you think yeah okay like she kind of does want to stay <laughs> but she's worried about her reputation i think the more problematic lyrics are <laughs> the male lyrics true because as uh, now it's as as the washington post article pointed out the song has kind of become uh like a christmas tradition in that it is a christmas tradition to um, bash it every year now and talk about just how uh, very unfeminist it is. And um, for example, the Daily Beast put out an article a few years ago entitled "Everyone's Favorite Date Rape Holiday Classic," <laughs> and under on Urban Dictionary, it is now labeled as the Christmas Date Rape Song. Oh, so, uh, and of course, the reason for the date rape ref- date rape reference is the line say what's in this drink <laughs> um which i agree is extremely troubling very, very worrisome it is <laughs> yes. yeah and yes. then of course you know towards the end there she says the answer is no and he's still like sure. well but it's cold outside <laughs> so yes so, definitely still so then we have an issue <laughs> so then we have an issue right. it is right. still problematic but so okay what's interesting is Again, when the song first came out, it would have been raising these kind of rather scandalous issues of this woman maybe wanting to stay. And it's kind of directly dealing with this this issue of um, unmarried couples spending Mm -hmm. the night together, which was probably fairly risque at the time. Uh, And then the song really took off in popularity after it was featured in a 1949 movie called Neptune's Daughter, which is awesome. I'd kind of want to just see this movie now. It was an Esther Williams film. And actually, this song won the Oscar that year <gasps> no because of, for this movie, which is extremely interesting. And what I think is even more interesting is the song is actually sung twice in the movie. So the first time, it's Esther Williams and Ricardo Montalban <laughs> who do it, you know, in kind of the traditional way where she's trying to leave and he's trying to keep her. And the Washington Post article says it like, oh, it's not very problematic. But like, I was watching it just now and thinking like, it kind of is. <laughs> he keeps grabbing her arm and she's oh, like dear. legit trying to get away. Right. And hmm. he keeps like literally kind of holding her back. And so that's troubling. But then what I love... Sarah agrees with me. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) She's really wanting to like put in her her thoughts in this episode. I like that. So what's interesting is that the song is repeated, as I said, uh, a second time in the film. And in the second version, it's Betty Garat and Red Skelton doing it. And I love this. So, okay. Remember, like, a few years ago, I don't know, I thought this, oh, my goodness, how, like, groundbreaking and clever, because I saw, it was a Gap commercial, yes. and I still really like I it. I remember you telling me about that, I and really that I like really this. enjoy it, too. Yeah. Uh, it's a Gap commercial, and it's Rain Wilson and Selma Blair, I yes. believe, and they're doing Baby It's Cold Outside, but they've they flipped it, so she's the wolf, and he's the mouse. Nice. And I just remember being like, whoa, <laughs> blown away, this is groundbreaking, what an amazing subversion of this and gender roles and 
blah, blah, blah. So as much as I thought that that was such a brilliant inversion of this, you know, rapey song, um, as it turns out, it was definitely not the first time that the song had been inverted like that because the first time was way back in 1949 in Neptune's Daughter with Betty Garrott and Red Skelton doing the song and Betty was doing the wolf part and red skeleton was the mouse and it's actually it's quite funny the the clip she's very forceful (laughs) she's quite aggressive and it's 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 pretty funny so i love that that kind of the first time or i don't know if that was even the first time i kind of assumed that was the first time that that song was being flipped like that and it was really close to the origin of it (laughs) in the first place so so soon afterwards it was kind of being flipped on its head and and this statement was being made the subversion of (laughs) gender roles um so over the years of course there have been other inversions and as i have now found out the rain wilson selma blair version was like not even the second time it had been (laughs) flipped like that there's a rather uh i guess well-known um, clip from the Muppet Show with Miss Piggy and uh, Rudolph Nureyev in a steam room. <laughs> <laughs> Why can I see that so much? It's Miss Piggy perfect. would be very, very forceful. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I watched that one too. It's it's well worth checking out. It's pretty funny. Um, in should... the end, of course, he ends up like going through the wall and leaving oh, a gosh. Rudolph Nureyev shaped hole <laughs> to get away from her. <laughs> Poor Piggy. <laughs> Um, we should definitely link to a bunch of these. Yes, uh, I will for so sure. If our listeners want to see them. <laughs> and then um and then a few years ago there was another kind of interesting subversion on Glee where two of the male love interests ah. uh, sing a version of the song, which is kind of cool. Unfortunately though, as the Washington Post article pointed out, uh, the traditional versions seem to be the ones that have the staying power. So mm. A few years ago, there was a version with Seth MacFarlane and I'm, I forget who doing a, kind of a traditional version. And Michael Bublé has recorded a traditional version with someone else. Um, so, I mean, in the end, I think it's interesting to think about this song in terms of its kind of origins and the context and thinking like, okay, so at the time it was maybe somewhat subversive to to think about it as like advocating for female sexual freedom um, but of course, that doesn't make uh, some of its lines any less <laughs> any problematic. Uh. Take another shot, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> the whole the whole uh, what's in this drink line, I think, kind of <laughs> sketchy. It, yeah, it's kind of yeah. questionable. Yeah. So yeah, when we consider the song in terms of issues of consent. Hmm. It's still a little... <laughs> it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> it, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't no, pass the Bechdel test. I don't know how many songs would pass the <laughs> Bechdel test. That's true. But... Uh, although, actually, okay, oh. so little addendum. Ooh. I recently saw the wonderful musical Fun Home, yes. which is a musical version of Alison Bechdel's ah. um, autobiographical graphic novel, um, it's really wonderful. I would recommend it. But mm-hmm. after seeing that, I now know that we were just horribly mispronouncing her name through oh, no. that entire episode. Oh, it's no. Bechdel. Okay. Not Bechdel. Ah. So take well, note. Now we know. Now, now we know. know. And go right. look up Alison Bechdel and all of her wonderful work. And if you get the chance, go see Fun Home because it's phenomenal. Okay. Um, yeah. So no, maybe it's cold outside. Doesn't pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> <laughs> 
But we do, this is kind of a good segue oh, into is. a bunch of songs that perhaps would yeah. pass the Backdale test. Um, we are big fans of the website, The Toast. Which is um, now unfortunately defunct. <sighs> defunct. But they, I think all their content is still Oh, it's online. still there. Yes. Go check, to check out, out the, te- the, okay, it's the uh, hyphen toast dot net, I think. Okay. It's not dot com. I okay. think it's dot net. But go look it up because there's so much awesomeness on that website. It's just phenomenal. We continually email these to our yeah. like friend circle because every page is better than the next. And there's so much good stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff, line. but there's also a lot of like thoughtful stuff. It's right. definitely, you know, it's got a feminist bent for sure. It's got all these awesome um, female contributors. And one of the best elements are these kind of lists that they used to put out where uh, one of the writers or other would kind of rewrite, I don't know, song titles or like movie titles. And we've we've got some from uh, an article from, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Songs from a Christmas album in which more than a few aims of feminism have been achieved. <laughs> so we've got some of our favorites here, and we're gonna we're gonna read them for you in a little mm-hmm. a little melange of <laughs> feminist wonderfulness. <laughs> so, what's one of your favorites, Heather? Um, the one that made me laugh the first was, or at first was, Grandma got politely nodded at by a reindeer who acknowledged her highly respected status as an older woman in our society. <laughs> that was one of my favorites too. <laughs> that made me laugh out loud, like, genuinely. <laughs> Yeah. laugh out loud <laughs> and you I, Dana <laughs> I I particularly I, I feel like I like really 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 like half of them but yes. um so another classic is Santa baby thanks for not evaluating me based on how many fellas I've kissed <laughs> I knew you would like that one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's awesome. another favorite of yours um let's see I had a good chuckle at we three kings are merely figureheads in democracies where women make up 50% of elected representatives <laughs> <laughs> yes. how about Mary did you know that you have 12 months of paid family leave <laughs> yeah being on 12 months of paid family leave I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. one that's well. a good one <laughs> yes and uh Sticking with the Virgin Mary theme, uh, the Virgin Mary had a baby boy, and if he had a twin sister who grew up to have the same job, they would be paid the same. <laughs> of course. How about, oh, little town of Bethlehem, how many and affordable are thy health care choices for women? <laughs> or, oh, what fun it is to ride public transit late at night with no harassment. <laughs> Oh, okay. How about city sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style, where nobody yells at me about my butt? (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed, I saw three ships come sailing in and Mary had 50% equity in their ownership. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one too. I also really liked... The Holly and the Ivy League University, where all sex is consensual. <laughs> yes, I like that one, too. I didn't put that on my list, though. Uh, okay, and the last one that I really enjoyed was, In the Meadow, we can build a snow woman and pretend that she is Parson Brown, who receives pay and respect and opportunities for advancement equal to those of her male colleagues. <laughs> it's a little unwieldy, but I think it could be a classic. <laughs> it could, could start wassailing with that one. <laughs> and finally, to kind of put the cap on our baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> nice. uh, the last one I'm going to read is, Baby, it's cold outside, so can I put the snow chains on and give you a ride home if that's what you want? 
very nice. I like that a lot. Which is what he should have said. Yeah, he really should have. (laughs) So on that note, on that clever little feminist Christmas note, (laughs) um, we're going to wrap up our little little holiday cocktail party of uh, women's Christmas history factoids. (laughs) (laughs) And feel free to pull them out at your next party because I'm sure they'll be a hit. Absolutely. (laughs) But uh, before we wrap up for the year... Uh, we do have a couple of little announcements. Now, the we've kind of got some not so good news and some, I think, nice news. Mm-hmm. You know, fairly neutral, but nice. Um, so I'm going to give you the bad news first. Heather and I have been discussing for a while our kind of ongoing, I guess, our, our future mm. with Yesterladies, which we certainly have no fear. We certainly intend to keep on putting out yesterday ladies episodes we enjoy it and we have i think you know we have at least six listeners so <laughs> that's, that's like a quorum so yeah, we'll just keep going go. we've got a quorum <laughs> so we might quorum. as well keep going <laughs> we have half a dozen dedicated listeners yeah. for those people alone <laughs> my mom loves the show <laughs> i don't think my mom has ever listened to oh, the show Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't have a phone a cell phone okay so, all right yeah, wendy yeah. gets a pass she has yeah. a computer she has I mean, a computer she, whatever yeah. I'm going to have to take this up with her the next time I you see You should address this. Yes. <laughs> um, so that being said, we certainly want to keep going, but we've realized for a number of reasons, we kind of just can't keep going uh, with one episode every week. Mm-hmm. We've, we've both got fairly busy lives. Um, I've become involved in a number of other things this year that I really love and I don't want to give anything up. Um, Heather, of course, is extremely busy with a brand new baby and (laughs) well, she is on her 12 months of paid Mm -hmm. maternity leave currently, she won't be forever and her life is only going to get crazier, of course, when she goes back to her job and thinking long-term, we just know we can't keep up this rate of one episode a week. So we've decided to go down to an episode every two weeks. So we're dropping by half, but we think that's better than our kind of current um, <laughs> habit of like going strong for like a month and then dropping from exhaustion <laughs> and staying away from another month and then coming back and getting you all confused. So hopefully what we'll yeah. be able to do now is consistently put mm-hmm. out right. two episodes a month. Uh, now the fun, I hope news <laughs> is that we're going to be changing the day that we release our episodes. So instead of Thursdays being new Yester ladies episodes we're gonna make it fridays Yay. so it's a nice way to end your week right yeah, every like other week <laughs> podcast listen exactly yeah. yeah so when we're back in january you'll have to watch out for us on fridays every other week um until then though we're wishing you a very merry christmas absolutely and happy holidays mm-hmm. and happy new year yes happy new year absolutely <laughs> and i will say as always that we would love to hear from you so you can find us on twitter where our handle is at yesterladies you can visit us on facebook uh if you go to facebook.com slash yesterladies you can write to us at yesterladies at gmail.com we would love for you to go and visit our beautiful website <laughs> yesterladies.com where you can leave us comments enjoy all of the lovely pictures that we put up with every episode and all the links of us larking around oh yes Dana's apartment hallways oh I didn't I wasn't even thinking of those pictures oh, but yes no yes. you should definitely if you haven't already go check out those pictures of us larking around my hallways they are pretty fun they're pretty great <laughs> um so yes go check out our website and you know until 2017 
have a really great holiday. Enjoy. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.